Ephesians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 1. We have been in a message series titled Forward. Uh, forward. We've been talking about what does it look like for us to move forward as individuals. We should not be stagnant. We should not be complacent. We should not be staying the same. Our relationship with God should be moving and, uh, we sh- and should be growing and all of that. And that is what this is about. We've been talking about this over and over. I want to know God deeper. I want to hear his voice better. I I want my relationship with him to be different than it was a year ago, a a year from now. I want want this to be different for me. And not only for me, we want this for you. This is not just a pastor thing. It's what it should be like as followers of Christ. And not only as individuals, and this is the transition that we're making today, is we want to move forward as a church family, always be growing, always be moving, always be hearing the voice of the Lord and following following that in a different way. And so we've talked about over the past number of weeks all sorts of things uh, that are keeping us even from moving forward, things like busyness and, and the stuff that we're carrying around that we have no business carrying, things like guilt and shame and bitterness. Last Sunday, if you were here, uh, Pastor Jeremy spoke, and he spoke on the topic of being offended and how, man, if we are constantly open to being offended in our lives, and we will never move forward in the way that we should when it comes to our relationship with God. Because there is opportunity for offense everywhere you look and everywhere you go. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And you can easily live your life just offended and miss out on so much of what God has for you. And so if you missed any of those messages, uh, you can watch those online or listen to. We have a podcast as well, that a lot of people use when they're driving. And so you can find any of those uh, messages and you can find those. Today, again, we turn the corner and we're going to begin to talk about as a church family, how do we move forward uh, corporately to get, how, how do we better be the body of Christ together? And so, okay, let's get to the Bible. Please stand with me all over this place and we're going to read. I, I'm excited to get into this. Whew. Are you ready? Are you excited? Are you bored? One of those things? Here we go. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Now flip over to the book of Ephesians. If you have a Bible, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, kind of parallel passages of Scripture that are written by the same person in very similar situations. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Let's pray. God, we just take a deep breath and we just welcome you into this moment. We, we need you, God. Will you show us things through your very word? Teach us and 
speak to us exactly where we're at and what we need. We give this to you. God, use me. Please don't let this be about me. God, we want you to be center, central to this entire thing. We give this to you in your name, we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. Donna, will you throw me my water there? <coughs> it's, it's October, not September. I don't, know what to, I don't know what it is today. Uh, so if you didn't know this, I just, I just got back uh, with a group from our uh, church. To, we were in the country of Kazakhstan for like 10 days. And um, I am horribly jet-lagged, if you know what that is. And so at 3 a.m. this morning, I woke up like, boom, oh, I'm hungry. You know, and uh, did not go back to sleep. And have a little cold from it, and I just feel like junk physically. So you can just all laugh at me, and I'll, it's okay. I'm not offended. <clears throat> so we're okay. Uh, the country of Kazakhstan, though, and you're going to hear me talk about this trip over the next few weeks. We're not going to talk too much about it today. A fantastic place. Incredible what God is doing uh, it's on the border of Russia and China and was under Soviet rule forever, just a mess of a country for so long. You go there and the people aren't Russian, but they all speak Russian because the Soviet Union came in in the 80s and like wiped them all out and basically forced the country to become Russian. And, and so now they're, 1993, they were separated from that. And so you have all these Kazakh people who are speaking Russian, even though their language is not Russian. And it's just a weird place. Uh, over the, about the eight days that we were there, we pretty much met every Christian in the entire city of El Mahdi, three million people. And we pretty much met all of them. Uh, it was fascinating to be there and to see what God is doing. Uh, there's a people group there that uh, comes from western China. It's a Chinese Muslim group of people called the Uyghur people. It's actually spelled with a U. Uh, the, this people group has been horribly and is being horribly persecuted in western China right now because they want to hang on to their culture and the Chinese government is saying, no, you need to become under communist nastiness. And there's this conflict happening and they're taking these people, taking them out of their homes, putting them into these concentration camps where they are like teaching them to be Chinese, uh, killing people. It's a hor horrendous place. And so right across the border from China is this city. And we were 50 kilometers from the Chinese border at one time. Uh, and there's about 400,000 of these people, Chinese Muslims who have fleed. And this is where uh, the family from our church that went to be global workers uh, in China are now in, their, I'm not going to say their name because it's super sensitive and different things, but they are working with this people group. But one of the things when you're in this country is you feel the reality of war. War in their history, 
uh, war in everything they think about. You went to their church service with them, and every single church service, it was like they took time to pray for the wars that were happening. They prayed for Ukraine and all of that, and they prayed for war. It, it was everywhere. We went to these places. There were these massive monuments all over the place, uh, celebrating and remembering and frowning on and all the wars that had happened. It was everywhere you looked all the time. This is just war, 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 war. Uh, a nasty way for these people to live. But I was thinking about this war stuff, and it got me kind of thinking about the United States and the military and, and just the deep respect that, that, that I have and that so many carry for the people who have been in our military in different ways. Uh, uh, military work, just the ultimate self-sacrifice, Right? that we think about putting the whole above the individual is really what that means. And in fact, uh, our military in the United States, there are different creeds and different things that they memorize. Uh, let me read one of them to you. It's called the Soldier's Creed. Some of us even in this place have it memorized. Uh, but it just says this, I am an American soldier. I am a warrior and a member of a team. I serve the people of the United States and live the army values. I will always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. I will never leave a fallen comrade. I am disciplined, physically and mentally tough, trained and proficient in my warrior tasks and drills. I always maintain my arms, my equipment, and myself. I am an expert and I am a professional. I stand ready to deploy, engage, and destroy the enemies of the United States of America in close combat. I am a guardian of freedom and the American way of life. I am an American soldier. And some things as I read that this week just jumped out like I'm a part of a team, okay? Self-sacrifice for something. I'm always placed the mission first. Uh, never leave a fallen, a guardian of the freedom of the American way. This selfless way of living that we rarely see anywhere else in our, in our world, uh, outside of that, right there. Even to the point where many obviously have given their life. Self-sacrifice to the ultimate. Such a together thing is what we have in the military. I came across a video this week. Go ahead and play this thing for me. It doesn't have any sound, uh, but I think it paints this beautiful picture of the teamwork and the military and some of that type of stuff where the goal is not just for one person to be able to get over the wall, correct? I mean, you see that? The goal is not for just one. The goal is how do we get all of us over the wall together? And we're going to work hard and we're going to take the time and we're going to put in the effort so that all of us, not just one, I love this part, whoop, that's my favorite part right there. You're like, let's go, okay? And so just, just so cool. Uh, and, and listen, we read through the pages of the Bible, and uh, it's so clear that this relationship with God that we have, this individual thing between us and God, that Jesus came and he made us right and all of that, it was never meant to be just like all alone. There's always this together factor when we talk about our relationship with Jesus, Again and again, over and over. And I think what we just saw is a beautiful picture of what the body of Christ is actually supposed to be and supposed to look like. This unified body, this togetherness 
that we have uh, and what God has chosen us to be the hands and the, the feet. And uh, we could say it this way, scripturally, the church is actually the hope of the world. And some of us would push back and say, no, 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 Jesus is the hope of the world. And you'd be correct in saying it that way. But God seems to have put this plan and this mission in the hands of the church to bring that message, to bring the hope of the world to the world. And, and together we are in this and we are unified and we are all as one with this mission that we have to bring the hope, of the hope to our world. Now, a few moments ago, we read two passages of scripture, both of them written by this man named Paul. Both are letters that are written from Paul to this group of believers and both of these letters are written from prison. Paul is in prison different times in different places here. Why is Paul in prison? The, the, the guy just continues to walk around the Roman Empire saying, you know what, y'all, Caesar ain't Lord. Jesus is Lord. They don't like that very much, and they throw him in prison multiple times. Eventually, Paul is going to be executed in Rome. He doesn't know that when he's writing this stuff. We know that now. Uh, but Paul just writes these letters to these to these churches and these individuals, and it's this beautiful stuff where he's, he's saying, here's how to live, and here's how to be together, and, and practical things. Here's how to take communion, and all these types of things. And he sends these letters. One of the themes that seems to show itself in the letters that Paul writes, though, is the unity of the body of Christ. It's, it's, it's a massive thing. It's one of the major things. And, and so uh, he's actually, in our passages today, going to use two different illustrations to paint this picture of the body of Christ. Uh, let me show you this. Let's start with Philippians, and then we'll move quickly to Ephesians. And we're actually going to hit 1 Corinthians as well, a third letter as we get going, okay? So he says, Philippians 1, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. And he says, live your lives as citizens of heaven. He's painting this picture of, remember, this is not your home. We should be living our lives with that in mind. Uh, that should be our priority. You're just trying to get through life here. Don't think of it that way. But let's, let's think about this from a heavenly perspective. He starts with this right here. How you live, the things you do, the things you say, the places you go, all of that stuff matters. And do it in a in a in a manner that is worthy of Jesus and what he did for you on the cross when he died, okay? And then he continues. He says, then, whether I come and see you again, because he's in prison and he's riding this 500 miles away to a city of Philippi, which is moder in modern-day Greece. He says, uh, whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith which is the good news. Now, we're going to camp out on this for a little while because the wording here is so powerful and so pointed. Standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith that is the good news. Now, both of these letters that we're reading, Philippians and Ephesians, were not written in English. They were written in the language of Greek, and we have a translation of that is what we have, and so sometimes it can be helpful to look at some of the original language, which I don't speak, by the way, but there's fantastic computer programs and things that can help with some of that. But the phrase that we have translated as standing together, I even made it yellow 
just so that we can see it there. Okay, Standing together, in the original Greek language, it's two phrases, two words. Uh, and let me show you this. The first is the Greek word steko. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but S-T-E-K-O. Sounds pretty like steko to me. Steko means stand firm. Okay? The second is the word synathlio. Butchering that, but you don't know any better, so it's okay. Okay? Synathlio means to strive together or to struggle with. And here's where this is cool. Both of these are military terms is what they are. Stand firm and strive together is what we have. Words in the Greek that we're talking about armies, talking about people, uh, locking arms, marching into battle, stand firm, strive together, struggle together. And so this is the picture Paul paints for us to help us understand the church, that, that we are sort of an army in that way, united, side by side, moving together, breathing together, walking together into battle, united in with, with one spirit, like from deep down with every individual member here intertwined and together in this. One purpose, all on the same page, all on the same idea of this is where we're going and this is what we're doing, to accomplish the same thing. Another translation actually says of one mind. Like we are so connected in where we're going and what we're doing that our minds are kind of thinking in the same way, responding in the same way. As kids, when I was a kid in, in church, I used to sing, we used to sing this song, and, and we'd say, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes sir. yes, sir. Okay, there's three of us that grew up in the same church I did. Okay, I'm in the Lord's army, and we'd go, yes, sir. And I look back at that, and I think, this is kind of weird. We got all these kids, like, you know, saying, yes, sir, to be in God's army. But it really is the, the picture of what, what Paul's painting here, standing together, one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. That's Philippians, and we could have looked, there's all sorts of scripture around that passage that we could have used in different ways too. It's so beautiful. But I want to show you Ephesians, because in the letter of Ephesians, Paul, similar stuff he's going to say, but he doesn't call us an army, he calls us a body. This is where we get the body of Christ, if you've heard that about the church. And so Ephesians chapter 4, let's go through this, and then we're going to put these together, I promise, okay? Uh, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. We've got similar stuff from how we started in Philippians here, isn't he? Heavenly stuff, okay? I urge you to live a life that is, okay? Number two, be completely humble and gentle. Now, let me point this out before I finish reading this stuff. When he's talking about being humble and gentle here, this section of scripture is about Christians interacting with Christians. He's not telling us, be humble and gentle towards people on the outside. Now, he says that other places, so don't get me wrong on this. But this right here is about us interacting with each other. Be humble with each other, gentle with each other, patient, bearing with one another in love. It's about the church here, how we, how we act. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all 
and in all. Again, unity language, one body, hope, spirit, Lord. But he continues, skipping ahead to verse 15. And then he says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Okay, Philippians, we're an army standing together, standing firm, striving together, struggling together is what this is. And now we get to Ephesians and it's like we're a body. And Jesus is the head and we are all these different parts of the body and he even says the ligaments are holding us all together. Uh, any, anyone ever tore a ligament? In your, okay, you don't want to raise your hand. Maybe you can't raise your arm. Okay, <laughs> that was terrible. Why would I even say that? Okay, what's going on today? Okay. <laughs> but like a little, the ligament here is this little tiny nothing part of our body. But if it's not working right, you really struggle. And so the, the picture, we have all these different pieces and different parts. We are a body, each part working together. So quickly, let me just make three observations taken from these two letters, three observations. Uh, and all of this is under the heading of what does it look like for us to be a church family that is moving forward, okay? And so first, number one, it's important that you understand this. The church is not a place we go. The church is who we are. The church is not a place that you go to. The church is who we are. And listen to me for a moment. We have this like ingrained in our brains, in our culture, that I get up on Sunday morning and I go to church. And I go to church to get something. Just like I, just like I go to school to be taught and I go to Walmart to get stuff and I, and I go to work to earn money, and I, I go to church to learn about God. And so church just has become this place that we go in order to get something, and it's led to a consumer idea of what it means to be a Christian. Can you understand and feel what I'm saying? Where church now becomes just like anything else in our culture, we come to a place, we sit in rows facing the front, and we watch what happens on a stage. Sound like anything else in our culture? Movie theater, sporting event, all of these things. And so we have ingrained in us, the church is something I go to that is so unbiblical. The Bible paints a picture of the church being who we are. If this building burns down and we have no more building, we still are the church. You understand? Like two of us nod your head at me, so I feel like I'm a little bit getting to you here. Okay, we are the church. The church is not where we go. The church is who we are. And biblically, as followers of Jesus, like we are supposed to be part of, this, of the body of Christ, which is the church. And this may sound obvious, it may sound elementary, but this matters because from time to time, we, not even from time to time, often, as pastors, we have people that come to us and say, I don't need to be a part of a church. I, I just have my relationship with God. And we hear people like, or my, my church is out in nature with, with, with God. And the idea here is I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be a part of a church family. I can just worship God in my, on my own, in my own way. 
And listen, you can worship God on your own, in your own way. I do that all the time, okay? Like you can read the Bible and you can learn and you can grow all on your own, but biblically, you cannot make an argument to me that you were not meant to be a part of the body of Christ. It is crystal clear. Do not neglect the meeting together, the book of Hebrews says. We were meant to be together in this, not alone. Meant to be in a community of believers. We were meant to encourage each other, pray for each other, help each other, be the hands and the feet of Jesus together. This is the picture that we see again and again. Paul tells us to stand together, strive together, struggle together. The key word is together. Say that to me right now. Together. Let's go. Okay? And I'm about to say something so brilliant that you might just need to buckle up right now. Are you ready? You can't be together all by yourself. Together. Together. We were meant to be part of the body of Christ. Second, number two, in the body of Christ, unity is essential. This is the message of Paul again and again. And you could argue that unity is Paul's number one theme, at least in this little section of Scripture that we read together. Standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, okay? Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, okay? This is the stuff that we have. Again, the picture of an army. Could you imagine if we watched that video again and all eight of those guys are just trying to, like, get over that wall individually, I mean, could, could you imagine the way that that's supposed to, the, the way that that would look? Uh, we're supposed to work together, move together, same page and the same goal. Uh, we don't have rogue people just off doing all their own junk. We are together. But you know why unity is so difficult? Because we're all different, incredibly different. The, the body of Christ is made up of all sorts of different people with different personalities. You ever gotten around somebody where your personality just does not work? Anyone, do you know what I'm talking about? Don't point at them, but like, <laughs> seriously, you get around a certain people and there's something about it where you just clash. And you can be the kindest of all kind persons and all of a sudden that person just brings out the junk in you. And you're just like, okay, it, it, unity becomes difficult because we are so incredibly different. We're different, and we have different backgrounds, and we have different uh, situations. We have different preferences. You like things that are different than other people, and we have opinions, and we all come together in a place just like this, and now all of a sudden our preferences, I, lo- I wish we could do these songs, and I wish we would sing that thing. And, and I think the church should decorate like this. And I wish the carpet was a different color and whatever. We hear all sorts of this type of stuff as pastors. And, and you, you feel the different preferences when a group this size comes together and on and on and on. And we have different beliefs. Did you know that? That, that in this room right here, we have some of us, many of us, who believe different things when we read the Bible. And that's fantastic because we help each other. And we're, you, don't, you don't have to believe everything that we say from the front in order to be a part of this body. That's, that's not, in, in fact, there are places theologically where I am wrong. 
I just don't know where they are yet. Okay? And, and let's be humble enough. Let's be humble enough as people to not put our foot in the ground and say, I understand everything there is about a supernatural God in the Bible. Like, that's ridiculous. Let's be people who are humble and growing and different, okay? Listen, a, a divided church cannot heal a broken world. Can't do it. And so we gather together with all sorts of differences, and the temptation is for us to be divided Churches that can't get along, churches that become so internally focused that they're no longer the hope of the world. Like we mess this up. And this kind of, it brings us to the last piece because our differences, uh, though they can be the number one thing that separates us, um, third is our individual differences actually make the body of Christ stronger. And this is the beauty of what God has done by taking different people from different situations and different walks of life, and he brings them all together. And together, we now become stronger because I maybe can't relate with someone on the outside the way that you can. And, and we have this beautiful thing. The body of Christ is built on our differences coming together. We, we see this in Ephesians as Paul talks about the different ligaments. We talked about that. But in one of the other letters, Paul actually writes this. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a lengthy section of scripture, so just hang with me here for three, for three full slides. Okay, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles. He's going to start talking about differences here. Jews, Gentiles, slaves, or free, and, we've, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many parts. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Paul, I, like Paul's almost like tongue in cheek here. Like some of you all want to be an eye. What if the whole body was an eye? That'd be messed up. Okay. Uh, if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The illustration here, the body of Christ coming together, made up of different pieces and different parts, different giftings, different pasts, different ideas and thoughts and beliefs and all of this. Every part is needed. Every part is important. Every part matters you matter to the body of Christ. God is, has placed you and given you things and, and, and put stuff in your life exactly for this moment to encourage each other and to help us to be the hope of the world. And in the body of Christ, our differences actually are what make us stronger. The one thing that can separate us and divide us as we don't agree and we, and churches are quick to bicker and complain and the enemy is real and he wants to use our differences to divide us because he knows that a divided church cannot heal a broken world. 
But we, we come together in this beautiful, we, beautiful way, unique gifts and personalities, preferences, beliefs, and we become the beautiful, life-giving body of Christ. Music team, will you please come? Listen, if we want to be all that God has intended us to be, if we want to be moving forward as a church family, then some of it just begins with us having a very real understanding that we're in this together. Stop, stop trying to do this on your own. Stop, stop trying to, to make it all by yourself. That was never the intent. It was never what this was supposed to look like. We are supposed to be together. Every step of this journey Unique gifts, unique personalities, helping us, encouraging one another, praying for one another, growing. It's this beautiful picture that we have, striving together, serving together, on the front lines together, standing firm in a way like an army, standing for the faith, but we're not all on our own. This isn't like Rambo going through the whatever. Okay, this is all of us together. Do you hear me? And when the body of Christ comes together as one, we bring hope and life to this broken world. I want us to end, our, end the service today by just sitting and listening to a song, a song that you've more than likely never heard. Uh, but for me, it's been a song that has kind of become a little bit of an anthem to me as I have become more and more awakened to the together that is the body of Christ. God, we just give this to you and I ask that as we sit in reflection and response, that you would help, that you would show us ways and things where maybe we are divided, that you would remind us that our gifts are beautiful, even if they're not the same as someone else's. Teach us and show us this in your name we pray, amen. Back to 
Please stand with me. Before we go, let's just take a minute or two just for a time of response and reflection and prayer. I don't know what it is that God wants to show you today or that he's been speaking to you about. Uh, maybe you have been trying to do this all by yourself for way too long and the word of God is just reminding you that you are not alone and that there is beauty in the body of Christ together. Uh, maybe you have been struggling with some church stuff and maybe, maybe things aren't exactly how you would prefer them to be and, and God is just asking you to lay down your preferences for the good of the whole of what he's trying to do uh, in and through us. So I don't know what this is, what this looks like for you, but I believe that God, anytime we open the word of God, we just have this opportunity for him to speak. And, and I, I find he speaks different ways at different times to different people. Let's just respond together just in a time of prayer. And so, Lord, we, we come to you today with our differences. We come to you with our past that may not look the same with the stuff in our lives, with the way that we think, with even who we are, just as very different people. But God, we understand and we realize that, that there is something beautiful that happens when individual Christians begin to gather together and become one, with one purpose and one mission. And we begin to encourage each other and pray for each other and we begin to watch as you move and work in our togetherness. So God, I pray that you would help us as a church to move forward. I pray that you would help us as a church to, 
to be the hands and, and feet of Jesus like he was here living and breathing today, that we would bring hope to this world, that we would heal, God, uh, through your Holy Spirit, people who are so broken and so hurting. God, give us a heart for what you have a heart for. We love you and we need you. Bring us together, oh God, in a deeper way. We give this to you in your name, we pray. One final thing just before we're done. Maybe you're here and you have never responded to the message of Jesus. The message, it's a message of hope that even when you were broken and even you, when you were filled with sin, God sent his son to die for you. And if you put your trust in him, there's forgiveness and there's freedom in that. And, and the Bible says you, you individually must respond in your heart saying yes to God, saying yes to what he did. And if you're here today with no one looking around, a time of privacy and reflection, and you would just simply say, I have never responded to the message of Jesus. I've never done that and I wanna do that today. If that's you, just quickly show me your hand. I just wanna pray for you. Anyone that would say, that's me today. If you're watching behind a screen right now, you can respond today as well. It's a heart thing between you and God. All right, church, let's just pray a prayer together for those who are maybe in that spot. Let's just pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together for what God is doing.